Hey guys, so the last episode, I did a little tease that I might have a special bonus episode. This is the bonus special episode. I had the opportunity to chat with Michael Anthony Rollins, who played Jordan Bonner on the show. So we saw him, you know, six episodes through season three, and we had a really, really great conversation. We talked 90210, we talked his career, we talked current events, and this is it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Right, so I'm really excited for this interview. I'm here with uh, Michael Anthony Rollins, who we've seen in Chicago PD, Empire. He was in Blade Trinity, which is really cool because I love Wesley Snipes. And also we know and love him from 90210 as Jordan Bonner. Thank you for coming on the show, I appreciate it. You're very welcome, good to be here. How are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. So we're all surviving during COVID right now, obviously, <laughs> trying to get through. <laughs> Trying to get through that old cliche saying, taking it a day at a time, has never been more apropos than right now. One day at a time. Absolutely. For the love of God. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we get into some of the 90210 stuff, I just kind of wanted to go back in time and ask you kind of like where you grew up. I grew up in London, Ontario, Canada. After moving there with my parents, I was born in London, England. So we went from London, England to London, Ontario. And then I moved to the US as an adult. Okay. So your parents liked the name London a lot, it seemed. Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, there is historically uh, because most of the Caribbean was colonized, I, most if not all of the Caribbean was colonized by Britain. They advertised in a lot of the Caribbean papers after World War II to reinforce their workforce, which has been depleted because of the war. So the colonizer that advertised Britain as the place to come and find your dreams and get educated and a lot of the people in the Caribbean went. My parents were two of them and that's where they met, had my brother and I before we moved to Canada and uh, London, Ontario at the time needed nurses and electricians and um, they were offering a immigration stipend and they made it easy for immigrants to come to Canada and uh, it's still easier for immigrants to emigrate to Canada than it is to America. Mm -hmm. And um, so some things really do never change, but uh, they took advantage of that. And that's how we ended up going from London to London. Because when I was little, I was like, mom, so how'd that happen? London to London, dink. <laughs> I know, it's funny. I, um, I grew up on Long Island and there's Jamaica, Queens, when you're taking the Long Island Railroad from uh, Long Island to Manhattan. And I remember once, there was a little girl I was taking the train in and a little girl was just like, mom, we're in Jamaica. Like she was so confused. <laughs> She's like, no, no, this is a different one. <laughs> this is the other Jamaica. Yeah. Not, Not quite as warm and beautiful. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how did you get into acting? Well, my mom took me to see Mary Poppins 
and I was never the same. And I looked at her during the movie and I said, mom, can I do that? And she said, Michael, you can do whatever you want to do wherever you want to do it if you put your mind to it. And so I knew from that day forward, I was going to perform. I didn't know exactly what, but um, when I got a standing O at my fifth birthday party after doing a dance number with my cousin, who, you know, when you're five, you don't really differentiate between your cousin and a girlfriend. They're one and the same, really. And after that standing O, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. But, you know, like a lot of kids of immigrants, it's not really a tangible career pursuit. So you say it and they entertain it as your parents do, but they're not really thinking you're really going to pursue it. Yeah. Until that day when you go, so kind of chilly in Canada. I think I'm going west to Los Angeles. And my mom said, you know, they make TV shows and movies and they do theater in Canada. You don't have to leave the country. I'm like, mom, I'm cold. I gotta go. So, um, but I was always in performing at school and uh, doing school plays. So that's that's how I got started, really. Is there any like... Um... Act like idols that you had looking up to, like when you, you know, want, went for this career? Anyone in particular? I always loved um, Brando, was a game changer. Um, Ethel Waters was amazing to me. Um, I always liked Julie Andrews because she was in Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke because he was the ultimate dancing chimney sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, yeah. And still, Poitier is, you know, he set the bar so high. Um, and at a time when race relations were even more treacherous than they are now, he found a way to rise above and carry himself with class and dignity. So Sydney's still the bar. I mean, Denzel says he's the bar. So, yeah. So um, were there any particular roles that you've done that you're like most proud of? Probably on stage because that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And uh, having just moved back to LA a year ago from Chicago. Chicago traditionally is a theater town. Mm-hmm. They've gotten, I mean, they've always shot in the odd TV show and movies there, but it really became a hub for production in the last decade when Dick Wolf started mm-hmm. shooting the shows there. All the Chicago TV shows. Fire, yeah. Um, so, but I went there and I got my theater legs back. I did th- mostly theater for five years. And it was interesting going back on stage at this point in my career, it was a little scary. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
when you start off in theater, going to camera is scary. And then when you do camera for a long time and you make periodic um, appearances on stage, then stage becomes a little scary because right. you're not doing it with the same regularity you used to. And it's live, people are right there in front of you. So uh, it was good to have that experience in Chicago. Uh, it's a serious, it's a serious theater town. Their, their actors are some of the most committed and dedicated actors I've ever worked with in my life. Really? In Chicago? Yeah. It's a real, true artistic community in Chicago, I found. And uh, so probably my favorite role is Boy Willie from The Piano Lesson by August Wilson. Mm -hmm. He did the... We did the Canadian premiere in 2003 in Toronto. And it was special because it was the premiere. It had not been done in Canada before, although other August Wilson works had been. It was the first time for the piano lesson. And also August had to personally approve the cast. Okay. So I guess it was the closest thing, you know, as someone who was born a Brit, I think that's the closest thing to being knighted that I will ever get. <laughs> so I'll take it. Um, on camera, probably, nine hundred two ranks ranks up there just because you know the initial episode I did was based on a shooting that actually took place at a high school. Yeah in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so we were dealing with, um, with that issue at the time. And it felt good to be able to speak to that issue, mm -hmm. be a part of that. And it was only supposed to be one episode and ended up being six. Yeah, well, I was gonna ask you about that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jason Priestley is from West Vancouver. So when we both found out we were Canadian, you know, that was the jump off for us. Yeah. So that facilitated an on-screen relationship too, which just made the work easy, Yeah. you know? And uh, Denise Dows, who played Mrs. Teasley, mm -hmm. one of the teachers, she recurred on the show for 10 years. And although we never worked together, we never had a scene together, I met her because Gabrielle Carteris was doing a talk show. Mm -hmm. uh, during her time on 90210. Uh, I she was she a host, right? A talk show host, right? Yes. Show. Yeah, right. Yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah. And she did an episode about white supremacy that I did, and Denise did it too. And that's where I actually met Denise, and we've been friends ever since. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You know, Gabby and I were in touch for a while. I haven't talked to her in a few years. She's very busy running the Screen Actors she's Guild. She's the president, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But good people, I met her family, uh, good people. And uh, my secret crush was Jenny Garth. Really? Yes. Jenny was so nice, good actress, down to earth, easy to talk to. Yeah, she was my secret crush. That's funny. Everybody on the show was cool. I got along with everybody. Um, I think I had scenes with you all the- with everyone, I think, at some point. Huh? You had scenes with everyone at some point. I did. I did. Luke Perry was very cool to work with because um, that was the third season mm -hmm. and it was like 
it was eating itself. It was so popular, that show. Yeah. You know, they were on cereal boxes. They had dolls. Yeah. I mean, you know? I was a kid watching the show and I had like a pillow with the cast. I mean, I was, you know, I was obsessed yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a big deal. So when you're walking into that environment as a guest star, it can be a little intimidating, but Luke was one of the first people to come over and introduce himself. That's and that always puts you at ease, you know. Um, one funny story, the, I got a knock on my trailer door and um, <laughs> I said, yes, they were like security. I was like, uh, okay. And I opened the door, they're like, we're here to escort you to set. And I was like, really? I don't need an escort. They were like, you got a scene with Brandon, so we'll be escorting you. I was like, oh. Oh, because you probably had all the fangirls. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> they escorted me to Jason's trailer, and then they escorted Jason and I to set. And I swear, it was like being inside uh, Beatles footage or something. Their girls were, we were shooting at a school, and the girls were on the chain link fences, and they were screaming. And it, Sam. I looked at Jason and I said, so this is your life. And I'll never forget his reaction. He, he sighed and his shoulders heaved a little bit and he said, yeah. And you could tell there was, as much as he was enjoying being on a hit show, that's what every actor wants is some measure of success but in, in their pursuit. It, it was, it weighed heavy. Yeah. You know? It weighed For heavy sure. because him and Luke were probably the biggest faces of that show mm -hmm. and a lot comes with that but yeah. um yeah i was that would that was an interesting moment on the show well getting into it i guess um so when you auditioned for the role of jordan um did you know of i mean the show was already as we said in its third season like did you know kind of like you know the height of the show at that point oh yeah you couldn't you, even if you didn't watch the show, which truthfully I didn't. You just knew. Yeah, you would, everybody knew what a success it was. Um, I had actually auditioned the previous season oh, to really? play Vivica Fox's brother. Oh yeah, I remember that episode. That was actually, I heard that was supposedly they were testing with the waters to have a spinoff shot. I didn't know about the spinoff. I know that Richard Roundtree, I believe Richard Roundtree played the father. Yep, yep, he did. The show was on Fox and Barry Diller had made a very deft business move having less than what was required in prime time to be considered a full-fledged network, mm -hmm. which allowed them to pay actors less in residuals. And they saved a lot of money that way. So from what I understand, they weren't meeting Shaft's financial uh, demands, mm -hmm. if you will. And so something was supposed to happen with that family. But as I, if I remember correctly, it was one episode. It was one and done. Yeah, it was one and done because I think they were testing it to see about like doing, you know, like a new spinoff. But I think it didn't rate very high. So they kind of nixed it from when, you know, I remember doing that episode. Yeah, it, uh, that's the behind the scenes scoop that I got on it. I imagine that it didn't, it wasn't a show that was ranking high in the African-American community for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, 
So it was interesting that the next season when I got the audition that was supposed to be one, I ended up doing six. And it was, the audition was interesting because a lot of times when, at least at this time in the early 90s and for quite a while afterward, and this can still happen, as an actor, you will get, if it's a guest star, you're going to get usually around seven, eight, nine to 12 pages of audition material. Mm -hmm. And you don't always get it in enough time. Mm -hmm. I think there's a SAG rule, you're supposed to have your sides at least 24 hours in advance. That's not always adhered to, most of the time it is, but not always, uh, especially when it's busy like pilot season. But a lot of times, after working on all that, spending all the time working on all that material, you don't get to do all of those scenes in the audition. So that can become tiresome because it's a lot of work. I always said if we got paid to audition, the demands that they put on actors as far as auditioning would be a lot less and be a lot more reasonable and respectful of us and the craft. Mm -hmm. So I went in and <laughs> the casting director said, we're just going to do the first scene. And I was like, <laughs> I just shook my head. And the little guy on my right shoulder was like, don't say anything. Just do what the casting director wants. <laughs> the little guy on my left shoulder was like, dude, how many times has this happened? Is this the time when you're going to say something? And I said, you know, the meat is actually in the third scene. And she looked at me and she said, well, why don't you just do the appetizer and then we'll see if you get the entree. And I was like, <laughs> I just got called out. Um, so I was like, okay. So I did the scene she wanted me to do. And after I finished the scene, she said, okay, you can have an entree today. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I did the scene that I thought best represented the character. And she said, I'd like you to come back for a callback. And I went to the callback and I ended up getting the gig. But the reason I tell that story is because there's so many times when, as an actor, you are in the room and that is really your time to shine. And you have to take control of the room. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then there's no way you can do your best work. Whatever it takes for you to go into that room and do your level best, control your emotions, control your nerves, whatever it takes for you to do that, you have to get to a point where you can do that. And when you're first starting out, a lot of times you leave the audition room and be like, what just happened in there? That's not how I thought that was gonna go. And it was not that, I think from that point on, when I went into an audition room, I felt like I had a right to be there and they weren't doing me a favor. Right. And it just changed how I auditioned from that point forward. Yeah. So as we said, so it was one episode and it was actually a pretty heavy episode. It was about, as we said, a school shooting, um, you know, it was a lot of, uh, you know, interracial stuff that, you know, unfortunately is still going on today. Um, so it's important, like, was, were you excited about kind of getting to explore that a little bit? I mean, obviously at the same time in the nineties, there was some stuff going on as well then. 
Yeah, I mean, race defines America to a very large degree. And I think that it always will. Mm -hmm. It's woven into the fabric of this country. Yeah. So there's no escaping it. I think that's evident in the protests that have happened this year surrounding the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. There has always been an acrimonious relationship between law enforcement and the black community. And <clears throat> when we call for the defunding of the police, people misconstrue that to mean that we don't want police. Nothing could be far Yeah, from I think it's, I 100% agree. I think people are, are missing, they think that means get rid of the police, and that's not what people are saying. Right. No, it means reallocate resources to facilitate the police serving and actually serving and protecting. Yep. That's what it means. Yep. So when I got a chance to do it, I was, as I said, excited to do it because it would shed a light on an issue that uh, needed to be talked about. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that the current administration was elected in direct response to having a black president for eight years. And I think that if you look at voting historically in this country, every four to eight years, the tide always goes the other way. 100%. It always goes the other way. I think it went the other way in a way that we weren't anticipating this time, in part because we got a little lax after having a black president for eight years. And some people actually believed that we were now residing in some kind of racial utopia yep. and it just wasn't true and i think that's evident even from the post-election shenanigans that they're up to now yeah. so um yeah it was it was it was cool that they were tackling that uh to the producer's credit they also had some kids in from uh, Crenshaw High School to discuss when we screened the episode for them and we discussed the episode. Really? That's cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, there was one uncool moment. Um, people believe what they see on television, whether it's fictionalized or not. Yep. And the high school in our episode was called Shaw. Mm -hmm. And the kids that go to Crenshaw High School also affectionately refer to their school as Shaw. So they didn't like the way that their school was depicted in the episode, which is not a new issue. Black people have been raging against the machine for the way they've been depicted for millennia, right? So when that was, there were a couple examples they brought up, like there were no um, metal detectors at Shaw, but there was in our episode. Mm -hmm. And they brought up a couple other things that they didn't particularly like about the way they were being depicted. And at one point, one of the producers who shall remain nameless said, well, you know, you're always welcome to turn the channel. And I was like, that's not the you response that. Yeah. that you should have given to these high school kids who you brought in here to discuss this and hopefully move the needle forward. 
and I intervened. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I tried to just tell them that it wasn't a docudrama. This is a fictionalized environment and we're trying to shed light on this issue. And if you feel like your community is being misrepresented, you're not alone. It's been happening for a long time, but I think their hearts were in the right place. And I just wanted to diffuse the moment. Right. And it worked and we were able to move forward and get through the rest of the, the uh, Q&A. But uh, so to their credit, they did it at all. But there was that one moment that was unfortunate. Yeah. So like, so that was one episode. And then like 10 episodes later, they bring you back. Um, obviously, it was not planned. How did that kind of come into be? I have no idea. I didn't even know it was 10 episodes later. I don't, I don't know how many episodes. You probably know better than I do. Yeah, because um, I was just like, I think there was like a span, but it was, I think the next episode back, you ran into Andrea at a, um, like a Yale brunch or something. Right, 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 yeah. And we hit it off and we started dating. Right. Because the um, characters were going to Yale together. So yeah. That, you know, Yale connection. Yeah, yeah. And some more behind the scenes poop for you, Samantha. <laughs> there was talk of me being brought back the following season. And that talk ended. Um, I showed up on set one day and Gabby said, hi, I said, hi, how you doing? And she was looking somewhat forlorn. And I said, what's up? And she said, well, I'm pregnant. And I said, that's great, congratulations. She said, yeah, well, in talking with the man, and we all know who the man is as it regards 90210. Initials AS. Ah, ah. <laughs> you said it, not I. Um, they didn't want to explore an interracial relationship. Interesting. So the rumors of me coming back the next season pretty much ceased at that moment. I don't remember where we were in my six episode arc at that point, but... I was like, well, congratulations, Gabby. You're messing up my career, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> well, it's interesting that they, that they didn't want that because who ended up being, because they wrote it into the script. They did, but it was a Latino actor. Yeah. Which, in their eyes, they obviously thought that was, was better. More, <laughs> was more interracial thing. friendly. Yes. Yes. Which is ironic because the man does credit himself with integrating television. Yeah. Uh, show, I think, I think he was producer on Mod, Mod Squad, I'm not sure, but. Probably. The show, but he does, he did consider himself the one to integrate television. So all those years later in the nineties, not wanting to explore that was interesting to me. I think it could have been um, more, fodder to explore the race angle in America, but maybe it was an avenue that just didn't want to go down beyond that initial episode that I did. Interesting. 
Um, that's a bummer. That would have been fun to see you in the college years. <laughs> yeah. um, so you did have most of your scenes with her. So, I mean, what was she like working? She seems like she's pretty cool and down to earth. She is. She's, uh, I found out that she was a circus performer as a kid. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And that's how she naturally progressed into acting and um, smart and very passionate about the craft. Um, and just, yeah, it was, it was easy. You know, we got along great. And I've heard great things about Jason also, that he was very personal with everyone on set. Like, did, you know, he, and you both have that Canadian connection. Yes, he was. They were all cool, really. I mean, Shannon, who... Yeah, ask about that, because, you know, there's all the back, you know, story that you've heard. <laughs> but I didn't get any of that from her. I mean, we were, we were fine. We were cool. You know, I didn't have a lot. After that first episode with Shannon, I didn't have a lot with Shannon, but, you know, we spoke. It was cool. No issues. No. It's good to hear, because it's like you hear a lot of stories and you're just like, wow. Because, I mean, I heard a lot of set stories about her and Jenny, not so much. And I don't think Gabrielle got into that too much because she was a little bit older than the other girls. But you heard about a lot of the stories about them fighting on set. Yeah. And um, I personally didn't see it. Um, so I can't really comment on it. But that wasn't my experience. That's great good to hear so um where do you think jordan bonner would be today that's an interesting question haven't been asked that before i know i kind of just thought of it i was like you know where would he be today yale graduate well, i think he was also editor of his high school newspaper i think he would have ended up in journalism mm -hmm. um i think he would have taken the mantle of someone who wanted to explore the dynamic of race in America based on that experience in high school where one of his best friends was shot. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I would like to believe a pre-Black Lives Matter kind of individual. Yeah. Trying to move the needle forward. I think so too. I was saying he'd definitely be on the front lines protesting. I think we, we'd see that with Jordan. Yes, I agree. So any other fun behind the scenes stuff that you can think of or share any stories? I mean, you did share a lot of good stuff. Um, not from nine, no. Mm -hmm. I've, <laughs> I've been pretty controversy free. Yeah, I, that's good. I hear horror stories from other actors working with people, but I really haven't worked, you know, I worked with Sharon Stone on a, on a box office hit called Beautiful Joe. <laughs> and with Billy Connolly, the Scottish comic, I think he's Scottish, although I think he lives in England. He was hilarious, but Sharon, came up and introduced herself to me. I was like, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. Um, and she's so personable and beautiful. The camera really doesn't do her justice. Um, 
And I told her we were destined to meet. And she said, well, why do you say that? And I said, well, you did Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I did, I had just finished the first season of Total Recall 2070 for Showtime. I wanted to ask you about that. You were a series regular on that, right? Yeah. And I said, so she said, oh, really? I'm going to have to check that out. And it ended up being a problematic shoot for her because her husband, I believe she was married to a a media mogul who was based in San Francisco at the time, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a heart attack or had some kind of health issue. And she had to leave the production for a minute and go tend to that. So that kind of put a little cloud over the production. Um, She came back, she was a pro, she finished. But, um, you know, her coming up and introducing herself to me really spoke volumes about who she is and how secure she is in her skin. You know, um, working with Wesley Snipes, who I, who I heard you say you like, I've always been a big fan of Wesley. So it was a treat to get to work with him. He was cool, um, very intense, master craftsman, like Sharon, master craftsman. Um, he really does martial arts and stuff too, right? Yeah, he's a black belt for real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so working on that show was, and just getting to hang out with him. He had a party and uh, I was at the party and I got to talk to him a little bit. And uh, he does a lot of things well. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, accessible, cool, you know. Um, so it's, it's one of those times in your career where you say to yourself, yeah, maybe I did make the right career choice. I'm working with someone whose work I respect and admire and he's cool. The film didn't turn out the way we thought it would. I know he wasn't happy with it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the pearl of the franchise, so to speak. I still think the first one is the best one in the franchise. Although Guillermo del Toro did a good job with the second one. I still think the first one from a writing perspective is the best one. Um, And I, from what I understand, Mahershala Ali is now taking over the role of Blade. Really? Part of the Marvel Universe, yeah. Oh, wow. He's great. He'll make a good Blade. Yeah, he'll be great. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds was in Trinity, right? He was. Yeah. And he blew up <laughs> since he, he wasn't he that big of a name then. Yeah, yeah. He was just starting to come into his own. He was funny in that movie. I met Jessica Biel, even though we didn't have any scenes. Oh yeah, she was in that too, yeah. Yeah, she didn't she hadn't blown up yet, but she was good and she was she again, she was cool. She was probably on Seventh Heaven still then too. Maybe. Because it maybe. I think like it was probably towards the end of Seventh Heaven. Probably. Robert, or she had just finished. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's funny. So I wanted to ask Total Recall. So I do love the movie with Arnold. I didn't know that there was a TV show. So I saw it was in 99, but it went a full season. Yeah, we did 22 episodes. From what I hear, the head of Showtime at the time, I believe it was Jerry Orsay said he didn't want to get known as the Sci-Fi Network because they also had Stargate. At the time. Showtime show. Yeah. 
and they 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 were they were like they picked one they were, and ours wasn't the one they picked and stargate went on for i don't know several seasons five or six i think mm-hmm. and uh we were canceled after one. Oh, that sucks yeah, I was, uh, I was shooting in Canada, you know, we shot in Toronto, so it was nice to shoot at home. Um, again. Daddy, tell us how much I love Rhino Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I get a cool cast and crew. My son, <clears throat> my son uh, is also an actor. His name is Kai, K-E-I, and he just said, tell her how much I love Total Recall. He loves science fiction. Yeah. So um, just in the last year, I've started showing him some of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, and still is a big Mario fan. So he couldn't believe that my first series was hosting the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that got me some daddy points. That's cool. Um, but he's a big fan of 90210. He's also uh, recurring on a Disney show called Just Roll With It at the moment, the character of Kyle. He just recently finished his third episode. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great for him. He also has a movie streaming on Disney Plus called Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. So check that out, everybody. He plays yeah, no, Lucas, the best friend of the lead. Check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Acting running in the family. It is. It's a showbiz family. His mom is a film and TV production accountant. And she's working on Ted Danson's new show, The Mayor. Okay. So, yeah, we are a showbiz family. It's been fun just helping him navigate this crazy business and see him do well. Um, That's why we're in Chicago, because... My wife was offered Chicago Fire. Okay. So that's why we're in Chicago. And it's a great, it's a regional market. It's a great place to start and mm-hmm. really learn the craft before you go to a hub like New York or LA. Yeah. So for him to get trained there, start on stage like I did, his first production was A Christmas Carol at the Goodman Theater. Oh, wow. He was nine. So, um, worked with some good people, got some good training, followed that up with uh, Last Stop on Market Street, which is a world premiere at the Chicago Children's Theater. And the thing that surprised me is he's not a trained singer or dancer, but in A Christmas Carol, he had to act, sing, and dance, mm-hmm. of course, because it's yeah. music. And then in a last, last Stop on Market Street, he had to act, sing, dance, and rap. And he plays piano, but he's not into hip hop like that. But he pulled it off. And I was like, I don't know where he gets the music from because it's not me or his mom. (laughs) Must be reaching back in our ancestry somewhere and grabbing the music. So um, that's an area that I am woefully untalented in. So (laughs) do you hear me laughing? Yeah, but you don't have to speak for it. Thank but you very I much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I can't sing either. <laughs> it doesn't stop me from trying, though. In the shower, I sound great. <laughs> right. Don't we all? We're all Pavarotti right. in the shower. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so funny. Um, so I, there's something I noticed on the IMDb. So secretly, I am a, not so secret anymore, I am like my guilty pleasure is General Hospital. And you ah, know, yes. The soap that's been on since 1963. Yeah. Um, so you did some episodes earlier this year, it said. I did an episode in August and I did an episode in September as Agent Warner. Who is Agent Warner? I'm like, I don't remember this at all. Maybe I was like, I'm not watching that week because you know, you can pop in and out like with that. <laughs> uh, he was a um, <clears throat> friend of, oh, I don't remember the character's name, but is they go back and I was brought in to investigate the disappearance of his love interest and um oh is it robert and holly yeah yeah holly went missing right there you go okay let's take a really quick break here for a second and we'll be back in a minute just kind of some fun questions so while you guys were quarantined or you guys are back are you in la at the moment i am so things are shut down again there right yeah but Not you know much. Film and TV gets a pass. It's the subject of great uh, debate right now. We can't get kids in school, but we can shoot movies and television series. Lots of COVID tests. Lots of COVID tests. Kai, um, I'm managing my son's career. As such, I'm on set with him. And we had to pre-test and then test three times in five days while they were shooting uh, his episodes. So yeah, a lot of testing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather the saliva than someone up my nasal thorax. Oh, hitting your brain. <laughs> Not a pleasurable experience having your brain probed. Yeah. Um, so things are slowly ramping up, I would say, although with the spike and the stay-at-home order that started Monday. I don't know how or if that's going to impact production or not. I know that Calgary, Alberta in Canada has a rapid test that was recently approved. And apparently Hollywood is clamoring to get into Alberta because you only have to quarantine for two days after having the test, not 14. Okay. So... I think Calgary is going to be very busy here very shortly. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, we're in, I'm in Manhattan. Monday restaurants are closing, like indoor. We only had 25% uh, capacity in restaurants, but I just found out today on Monday, no more indoor. Numbers are just, you know, starting to, I mean, it's going to be the Thanksgiving numbers. Then we'll have the Christmas and New Year's spike. So, but, um, <clears throat> You know, when the initial uh, shutdown happened, how are you guys keeping yourself busy at home? Any TV shows, like anything like that? Kai and I actually shot our own little show. Oh, that's cool. He wrote and directed a show called COVID Chronicles. And um, we were out with our camera and equipment in the middle of a pandemic, as I call it. Um, and it actually worked for what we were doing because there weren't a lot of people out. Right. 
I mean, we were safe. We had our masks. And if we did come across anyone, we socially distanced. Um, so it was basically just me and him. His mom came out a couple of times to help us out. But um, that's how we kept busy. We shot five episodes um, of the show. And I did indulge in some TV watching. There's a show called I May Destroy You. Michaela Coel from Britain. Mm-hmm. You have to check out this show on HBO. Okay. Net- she turned down a million dollars from Netflix because they wouldn't give her a piece of the show. Oh, so her integrity she- is unquestioned and she is fierce. And it's really groundbreaking in that she's not afraid to tackle any subject. Yeah. They go there on this show. It's very, I think it's the best show I've seen during quarantine. I may may destroy you. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. And your your chronicles, uh, COVID chronicles, are you guys going to distribute that anywhere or what are you going to do? It's actually on IGTV. Oh, really? Yeah. If you pull up, I think it's uh, Kai Boogie One is my son's handle on Instagram. You can see all five episodes are there. All right, awesome. Yeah. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects? Anything in the, the works for you or? Just playing the audition game. It's been slow. We had a little flurry last week and this week. Kai did and I auditioned for, interestingly enough, another soap, Days of Our Lives. I don't think I got it, but... Um, not having really been on soaps, it's interesting that all of a sudden I'm reading for soaps. That's funny. Um, but other than that, no, just uh, just playing the audition game as they come in, as this town slowly tries to ramp back up. Yeah. Soaps are hard. There's a lot it's of- a lot of, It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot, lot of dialogue in a short amount of time. You gotta be on your P's and Q's. It's definitely a skills, a certain skill set. Yeah, I can't. I would never be able to do that. I can't memorize anything, so <laughs> I would be, I would be terrible at that. You know, um, people have the misconception that memorizing lines is hard. It's really not. No. It's really the last thing you do as an actor, if you do your homework as far as the character, the lines come to you. If you know. You know, if you do some homework and you know who your character is and what they want, mm-hmm. um, the lines come much easier. If you're just trying to memorize lines out of the ether, it's a lot harder. And sometimes because you don't have a lot of time or you have several auditions at once, you right. don't always have time to put in the time for every audition. Yeah. But when you do have the luxury of time, if you do your homework as an actor, the lines are the easiest part of the process, to tell you the truth. Yeah. My, I went to school for film, but I was, my, my thing was I wanted to be a screenwriter. So <laughs> never in front of the camera, always behind the camera. Hey, nothing gets shot unless it is first written. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? Are you- um, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on, Michael Rollins on on, see, I don't even know my handles. That'll tell you something about 
Don't laugh. I could put a mic. That'll give you some indication of how uh, non-social media savvy I am. But I'm on Facebook and I do have an Instagram account. One one short boy. Yep. All right. I can put them in the uh, in the bio uh, so people can can check you out on this. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, I have a Twitter account, but I rarely, if ever, tweet. Um, so, and you know, IMDb seems to be the site of choice. Yeah. The online site of choice. So, my profile's up there. All right. Well, thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Samantha. This was fun. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Okay, take care. Be safe. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Casa Walsh, a Beverly Hills 90210 podcast. My name is Sam, and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Michael. I had a great time talking to him, so hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation. If you want to leave feedback, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you guys think, and you can reach me on Instagram at samlev28 or on Twitter at the Sam Lev. So I'd love to hear what you guys think. And um, we'll get back to our regular recaps later this week. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.